We're recording this at around 2 p.m. on Monday, July 13th, 2016. After a weekend that brought a disturbing and tragic story about the potential for violence against the LGBT community. The shooting at the Orlando nightclub late Saturday night, which later emerged to be the deadliest mass shooting in American history, raised new questions about terrorism, hate crimes, and gun control. There's a lot about this that we don't know. We don't have a clear picture of the crime yet. But the incident has surfaced the issue of LGBT violence and how it affects things in 2016. There's been a lot of progress towards equality in the last few years, but as we explored in a recent episode in the so-called bathroom bills, there's still a lot of reticence towards the LGBT rights movement across the country. LGBT Americans still face threats, violence, and hate crimes. I'm Evan McMorris Santoro, host of No One Knows Anything, the BuzzFeed Politics podcast. Today we're posting a special episode about anti-LGBT violence, what we know about it and what we don't know about it. Turns out we don't know as much as you might think. Joining me is Chris Geidner, legal editor for BuzzFeed News and the recipient of multiple awards for his coverage of LGBT rights and the legal fight surrounding them. Chris, welcome back to the show. Hey, Evan. So what do we know about LGBT violence, anti-LGBT violence in 2016? What what is a sort of big picture? Are there trend lines? Is it a problem that's getting worse? I mean, part of the problem with tracking anti-LGBT violence is that we don't know a lot about what the actual status is. We have uh, some data that we get from the FBI and some data that LGBT groups try to collect, but it's it's all based on the input. So it's kind of an unclear, it's kind of an opaque picture. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we get examples of the existence of anti-LGBT violence when we see anti-LGBT violence. Um, uh, for example, uh, you, you mentioned your prior episode that you recorded with Dominic Holden. Dominic, uh, last year, tracked for BuzzFeed the spate of more than a dozen anti-trans uh, killings over the course of last year, and 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 that was that was difficult even just to be tracking anti-trans killings, so so violence that that left a person dead. There were there were incidents where where Dom was basically having to to investigate within a community because the police were not able to accurately identify what was going on. So. Does this person identify as trans because that's what I'm seeing on Facebook, but the police are telling me that this person is a man? And that makes, particularly with anti-trans violence, very difficult to track. But there, there is definitely an understanding among the FBI, places like that, that this is this is a problem that's going on in the country. But we just don't know how. Yeah, over. I mean, so the the FBI has these uniform crime reports that that they submit that that local law enforcement submit, and the FBI puts it all together, collates it, and comes up with a, a national report and. Between from 2013 to 2014, uh, the the number of sexual orientation based crimes that were reported jumped from 1015 to 1231 to approximately 1231. And uh, there, 
that was, I mean, a, a significant jump, but but within within a, a, a range there. Um, sure. However, when it came to gender identity based crimes between that time period in 2013, there were 33 incidents reported. Uh, but in the 2014 report, uh, there were almost 100. There were 98 incidents reported. And that's a, um, and, and that's a, a huge jump. In number, but the the question is, is this a matter of there being an increase in anti-LGBT hate crimes, or is this a, a matter of the success of LGBT advocates and the administration and uh, at getting local law enforcement to accurately identify, report, and investigate anti-trans hate crimes? So crimes that may have at very in the very recent past gone unreported as gender identity focused hate crimes are now maybe getting that because people are more aware of that issue mm -hmm. in in the sort of in the modern world. Yeah, Interesting. that that's I mean it, it was <laughs> an increasingly long time ago uh, at this point, but back in 1998 when Matthew Shepard was killed, that was sort of the the galvanizing point that 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 happened with anti-gay violence that there was sort of this this sustained focused attention at a national level on what is anti-gay violence what does it look like this is why it's bad uh and and you did start to see increasing numbers of reports and local law enforcement being trained and then more than a decade later, uh, Congress passed uh, what became known as the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd uh, Hate Crimes Prevention Act, which, in addition to creating federal penalty enhancements based on for for bias motivated crime, it also provided additional tools for the federal government, for the Justice Department to help local law enforcement with, with training and stuff like that so that they would be able to to better identify uh, anti-LGBT uh, violence. Okay, yeah. Well, let's break that terminology down a little bit because obviously you're talking about these two crimes from the 90s. Matthew Shepard was uh, a, a gay man killed in Texas, in Laramie, in Texas. Laramie, Wyoming. La Laramie, Wyoming. Laramie, Wyoming, right. And James Laramie Bird Project. was in Texas. James Bird was in Texas, and, this, and he was an African-American man that was killed in a very uh, horrific way because he was a black man. That was the, yeah. the idea. So what exactly is a hate crime? Well, that <laughs> I mean, that that's a, a question that you I mean, you, you will get a lot of differing uh, opinions on uh, whether or not there is such a thing as a hate crime. Um, but there's law but was the, passed. The, so the law was passed yeah. and what it, it, it is bias motivated crime. It's it's was this crime motivated uh, by a, a person's sexual orientation, by a person's disability, by a person's race, by a person's religion. Uh, and the, the FBI uh, can can investigate and help local law enforcement or when local law enforcement are are unable or unwilling to to look into it they they're able to to investigate this and and make determinations and while there have been a a very few number of actual crimes 
prosecuted under the Federal Hate Crimes Act, what it has enabled is uh, the the FBI and Justice Department uh, to help train and sort of set up model programs for what local law enforcement should be looking for when they are investigating uh, when when a trans person does is the victim of a violent crime when a gay person is the victim of a violent crime so that that a community that is grieving like we've got this community in Orlando uh, that's grieving right now so that they're not having to expend additional resources uh, as an LGBT community on convincing law enforcement to fully investigate the crime. Right. I mean, is, is this a crime? At the state level, too, in a lot of places then? I mean, do you, yeah, there, there, I mean, there are a lot of state level uh, hate crimes, penalty enhancement statutes. Generally, that's what they are. What they are is penalty enhancements. They yeah, that's are, what I was going to ask you. They, so they, the way they're prosecuted. Get, they're, yeah. they're, you've got the underlying base crime, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and there is an enhancement if it is motivated by anti LGBT bias, anti-racial bias. Um, right. So you're still similar, a mur- so you still committed sim- a murder, right? But it's a murder sim- similar because to, of hate. Uh, gun penalty enhancements that if if a crime is committed with a firearm or in the commission of a robbery, there are penalty enhancements that are a a part of a a lot of criminal acts. Um, and th- this is the the method that that most states have taken and the federal government to to address that. We talked a little bit about about this already, which is sort of that it, the crime that is talked about the most these days is against I would say against trans women. That, 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 that's when you hear the most about in terms of comes to hate crimes. Is that, is that right? I, I think that a lot of the times um, anti-trans hate crimes are are some of the most violent most disturbing hate crimes that we see because there there is sort of this i mean and it is sort of the underlying basis of of why we get these these penalty enhancements is that there is this othering of these people and i mean it's particularly trans women of color mm-hmm. uh who who are just completely removed from the system completely removed from society, from being respected as people. And you see these horrible, uh, just, I mean, just look it up, unfortunately. I mean, there, there was a, a woman last year, a trans woman, who, who was basically run over at a club and, and, and killed, that, that a car multiple times just ran her over. And there, there has been, I, I think, there, there's been more attention on on trans issues generally as sort of the the next fight. And and and, and all these years after uh, the Shepherd Bird Law, um, what we're looking at now is, is is you think law enforcement is pretty much aware of this problem now? I mean, there's still education going on, but these kind of crimes, law enforcement is, I mean, at least at the federal level, is clearly very aware of it. I mean, the, the federal government's aware of it, but I mean, last year, as these anti-trans killings were happening, I mean, every, I would say probably every other or every third anti-trans killing involved the police misgendering the person initially, mm. uh, identifying a, a trans woman as a man in media reports, and also, I mean, just not approaching 
the case as what, like, from the LGBT community's perspective in that area, seemed obviously a, a crime that was motivated by bias. And I mean, the thing is, like, this matters not just about penalty enhancements. It doesn't just matter on that end. It matters on the front end of how you're investigating the crime, how you're searching for who committed this crime. If, if you're not thinking about it, if you're not thinking about this woman as a woman, for starters, you're not going to ever get to the, the end point of finding out who did this, let alone if you're not understanding the nuance of this person's identity as a trans person, who they were out to as trans. I mean, you have some situations where a trans woman is killed and and her her mother isn't lying when she identifies the person as a, a boy's name that, that she raised him as because the person wasn't out to her. Um, and, and I mean, all of these nuances are, are things that it, that it really does take training of law enforcement before they're going to get it. And I mean, we certainly see a, a better awareness now than we did before the law was passed. Um, and, and I'm not sure how much of that is is credited to the law. But I mean, certainly as there's been more awareness of trans issues law enforcement are getting more educated, but I think there's there's still a long way to go in a lot of communities. So who's out there uh, having this conversation? What are the main sort of advocacy groups that are pushing to help improve this data collection, improve uh, the understanding that police have? Who's who's doing it? I mean, honestly, the Department of Justice is one of the big because they do have the resources Their their special programs office, their training offices. I mean, they have the ability through the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd hate crimes law to to do work on this. Um, additionally, the Justice Department has um, even even before we're sort of in this modern era of the Obama administration sort of doing everything pro LGBT. One of the the first things back in back in the day uh, that that then Civil Rights Division Chief Tom Perez, who's now the Labor Secretary, one of the the first things that he did um, when the Justice Department investigated the New Orleans Police Department, uh, they included a look at anti at, at the treatment by the police of LGBT issues. And it was the first time that the Justice Department used it, its investigative powers uh, in investigating police departments to include LGBT treatment. And and so the Justice Department has continued that in in all of its reports since. And that that's a big deal because that's then a part of those those judgment decrees that are are posted, that are, are agreed upon and are part of the action plans that come out of those things. And then you have the the nonprofit organizations who play a, a big role in this. And there's the National Coalition of Anti-Violence Programs uh, that is is based out of New York and and has limited resources, but but does work with. I, I think they they have like a dozen member organizations that contribute data to them. Um, and then you have the the federal groups that that you know, the Human Rights Campaign, the National LGBTQ Task Force. Um, just yesterday, uh, outside the Human Rights Campaign building, there was a, a news conference that, that included not just uh, LGBT groups, but also included the NAACP, the National Council of La Raza, uh, that, that really were pushing for uh, focus on this issue as, as not just being 
a a situation in which the the focus is is wholly on either sort of the strong partisan desire for discussion of of gun control or discussion of terror. Uh, and this was let's keep in mind throughout this process that this took place at a gay nightclub where some person uh, on Twitter noted to me that some of the the headliners were trans performers that night. Um, and so as we go through and get names of of uh, the the victims and the survivors that the odds are there were trans people involved as well. Uh, and and one thing that she mentioned on Twitter was like, so we need to be careful about misgendering, right. like because we're going to possibly have some of the victims whose identities are are possibly going to be using the incorrect name at first. Um, and. and the idea that that these groups would hold this news conference on, on Sunday afternoon was was just to me really remarkable that that they all got together and were like, we need to stake out this this ground for the LGBT people who are involved, uh, who who are dead uh, and, and who are in the hospital, whose family and friends um, and, and don't let that get lost in the broader debate that it, we are all sure. too familiar with as, as these shootings happen. Start this new national other political conversation. Yeah. Let me just tell you, that, so I, I've been listening to what you had to say, and, it, and it, it sounds like we're living in a world in which more people recognize that anti-LGBT violence is actually a thing, that that may not have been a huge part of law enforcement not too long ago, but now it kind of is more of a conversation. But we just don't know a lot about it because we don't have a lot of good data collection Cops aren't really educated yet about how to deal with it in all areas. I think I mean, you certainly have some police forces that are are, are models mm -hmm. for for how police should be doing this. But I think a, as we see far too often, there is still much education to be done. And those holes in data and those holes in education actually make it difficult for us to figure out what the solutions are. It makes it difficult for us stuff. to know the scope of the problem, which which then makes coming up with the solution even even more further off in the distance. All right, Chris. Well, thank you so much for coming in. And I appreciate uh, you, as always, sharing your uh, your depth of knowledge on this stuff. And uh, we'll have you back soon on the show. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Evan. No One Knows Anything is produced by Meg Kramer. Editorial oversight from Catherine Miller and Eleanor Kagan. Production help from Julia Furlan and Antonia Sarahito. Our music was composed by Beauty Pill. Find us on iTunes, on Twitter where at BuzzFeed Paul, or you can email us at noonknowsanything at buzzfeed.com. I'm your host, Evan McMorris-Santoro, and we'll be back later this week with more things we don't know. <laughs>